It's a privilege to be here today serving to you another episode of ATP Circuit Cafe. Welcome back to Volume 9. I'm Lewis and I'm pepped up because I had uh, accidentally three shots of my coffee this morning here at the cafe. So I'm delving straight into it. I've got a few clips of people talking, I think, maybe, and... Um, this is not the biggest episode today. Again, we had the debut of Hawkeye. You can check that out. Volume 8 looked into Juan Martin del Potro, the big terror of Tendil, and looked into his life. That's going to be a new series. Go check it out if you haven't. Been preparing for my radio show this morning. I present a alternative music radio show from 2 to 4 p.m. in Adelaide on 93.7 FM, which is 3D radio. You can get it digitally on an app or whatever. Just thought I'd plug that real quick in case you're into music. So... What have, we, what have we got? We got results from Tokyo, which Ben Shelton took out his first ATP title win in a 500 of Tokyo. Gets Aslan Karatsev. I said Tokyo twice. We saw Shintaro Mosishiki. That's a butchered pronunciation. You're used to that here at the cafe. He made it to the semi-finals after taking out players like Alexi Popperin and even Taylor Fritz coming down from Love 6. I got so much viewing time in this tournament. As I mentioned last episode, Tokyo is a perfect time zone for the Australian viewer. And I just had my wisdom TV out, so I was just sitting around doing nothing, and we haven't been getting much hours of work, so it's rough, you know. Marcus Heron, let's talk about him. He made a semi-final, and he challenged Ben Shelton, taking the first set 7-6 to 2, but Shelton came back in the semis and beat the American. Marcus Heron, he is coached by Caruso, or he might not be still, I'm not sure. He's a YouTuber, so I actually saw those two boys walking across the bridge at the Adelaide International, and I got too nervous to say hello, but I was like, Damn it, I should have said hey, because honestly, they weren't getting too much attention. Kokonakis was on the bridge at the same time, and he's the hometown hero here. So yes. Felix Auger, alias Seam, he had an okay run for once, made the corners. and But yeah, Marcus Horan dominated him. 6-1, 6-4 in the quarterfinals, then versing Shelton. Who else did we see in the quarterfinals? We saw Aslan Karatsev. He made the final against Shelton, lost 7-5, 6-1, but he got the quarters over Alex D. Manor, and then took out the wild card in Shintaro Mochizuki, 6-3, 6-4, as I mentioned before. Alexi Popperin was another Aussie quarterfinalist at Tokyo. And I'm probably going to leave it there. I've got some uh, clips of Shelton after his victory. So I'll just play them for you now. A major milestone in the career of Ben Shelton. His first ATP Tour final. And you can be sure it won't be his last. A special I'm someone who loves to play in front of a crowd. So uh, this week's been really special for me, being able to play on the center court here and in front of all of you guys. Uh, I'm always trying my best to win when I'm out here on, on the court, but also I, I try to be entertaining at times and hopefully make you uh, laugh or, or smile, uh, give you something to smile about when you're leaving the stadium. So. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this week, and I know that I really appreciate you. We saw two 250s as well. I didn't delve into them in too much detail because, like, second seed was Adrian Manorino and third was Talon Gregspoor. First was Holger Rune. This is, this is Stockholm I'm talking about, and we saw a finalist in a protected ranking of uh, Gael Monfils versus the qualifier of Pavel Kotov, second qualifier to make the finals of Stockholm, which has been around since the 70s, and lost to Gael Monfils, but put up a great fight, really good, entertaining match. Monfils was on his last legs and he, he won the 250. So he was really stoked about that. I'll just play a clip real quick of his words after the tournament. Special week for me with uh, three uh, ladies, you know. Uh, first of all, my mom, 
you know, thank you. Salut, maman. My mom. Uh, it's always great to win a, a title in front of her. Last one was in Metz, so I hope she's happy. My wife, Elena, I think, uh, thank you. And, uh, and the last one uh, in front of the TV, my daughter, Sky. You know, it's her first time as a father, I win a tournament, so it's very special to have those three together, so thank you. Gail is a infamous player. Uh, everyone loves Gail Monfils, right? Holger Rune was the first seed, and he lost to Miamor Kekimanovic, who's around, his, uh, no, not around his age, probably a few years older, but he's a, he's a young Serb on the tour. Score was 7-6, 6-2. Stamper was in the tournament, he lost 6-4, 6-1 to Thomas Mahash. What's another name? Roberto Batista Agu, he played 6-4, 6-4, lost. Spanish doesn't fare too well on the indoor hard courts. We saw the 5-6-7-8 seed of the tournament all go out in the first round, that being Sebastian Baez, Jiri Leheshka, Christopher Eubanks, and Dan Evans. So the tournament was set up for, I guess, low-seeded ranked players in the semifinals. We saw everybody being unseeded. I like that in 250s because they need to win those matches. Moving over to Antwerp, we saw a final with Alexander Bublik versus Arthur Fields. 6-4, 6-4. Bublik, I don't think he dropped a set. or you know, he dropped, No, he definitely dropped a set. But I don't. it was very hard to break Bublik this week at Antwerp. I really like the low camera angle at Antwerp. We saw Arthur Fields defeat Stefanos Tsitsipas 7-6, 7-6. Two tie breaks, 5-4. Was Bublik yet? Dominated the tournament, really. Yannick Hanfman provided a really nice matchup against Dominic Team in around 16. I got to watch that one. It was 6-4, 5-7, 6-4. Dominic Team played really well. He got to first Stefanos Tsitsipas in the upcoming 500 I'll talk about. But yes, I'll, I'll leave it up there. But yeah, a nice 250 win for Bublik with some confidence coming in against a draw against Casper Rude in the ATP 500 next week at Basel. Real quickly, I just want to talk about Jensen Brooksby. He got an 18-month sanction for whereabouts failure handed down, to him by the handed down to him by the International Tennis Integrity Agency, which is the ITIA. The ITIA is an independent body established by its tennis members to promote, encourage, and enhance, safeguard the integrity of professional tennis worldwide. So three whereabouts failures within 12 months violates Article 2.4 of the TADB, which can carry a maximum sanction of a two-year suspension. Brooksby's case, three missed tests were registered within 12-month period from April 2022. No more Jensen Brooksby on the tour. I'd also like to just mention an opinion piece released by Teodoro Jovic of The First Serve, which is an Australian tennis publication, like the only one that's pretty much out there. It's an opinion piece. Coaching during play has no place on tour. And it's a topic of whether or not coaching during play on WTA and ATP tour tennis events should be allowed. It's been highly debated over the years. Uh, so Teodora Jovic, she is of the adamant decision that coaching during play is silly. It does not preserve the integrity and history of the sport. It, she argues that tennis is, well, it's a secondary argument, and it's, it's one I just don't agree with. It's that tennis is an individual sport, and it's unique to any other sport where the player is completely in, independent on the field, and in no other sport is the player completely independent on the field. I can think of about six other sports where the player is completely independent on the field. There, there, is, there are multiple single-player sports, and I think it's quite ignorant to say that. But I, I, do, I do see comparisons of uh, Stefanos and Daniel Medvedev and his dad just, like, talking to him every point. Is that allowed? But the dad's the coach kind of thing. And I, I, I like it because I think it's inevitable. And this is a controversial one, but like the coaches at different tournaments, coaches are sitting at 
towel boxes that are next door to their players. How are they not? How are they going to prohibit this? And if there's so many different languages being spoken because it's such an international sport, how are they going to prohibit this? There's only so much a coach can say to a player. I think it's an absolute fair thing in the sport, and it's it's unfortunate because I I've seen my opinion. I've noticed my opinion regarding this change especially over this year where we've seen the more prevalence of coaches being involved. And it's so important because for players where it's a mental game, they need a support. They need somebody there. They've been raised into tennis. Stefanos Tsitsipas was homeschooled by his mother and father to become a tennis player. He knows nothing else besides tennis ball and racket. He is not a philosopher. He is a tennis player. He should be allowed to have a coach the game goes for three and a half hours. It is a grueling sport. And you're just going to let somebody have the mental burden of potentially playing for millions of dollars all rest on them. And I think, I think it's time for change. That what does a, show me a good example of a coach having genuine influence on changing the tide of a match. It is the player's initiative looking for the help Going to somebody and being mature enough to say, I need help. I have hired you as a... How much are these people play, paying the coaches and then they can't even get help during the match? I don't. I think it's silly. I think tennis is a very traditional sport and there needs to be change. Change is okay, tennis fans. Change is okay. I just want to... Yeah, the last sentence she's put in her opinion is, finally, we need to preserve tennis historically... And as an exemplary sport of class and prestige for future generations. Why? Why do we need to do that? Why can't a player why can't a player hit a grueling backhand down the line after a twenty shot rally and go to his coach, come on and yell it loudly with a fist? That is possibly the best positive affirmation you could do. But look look into mental health study and look into research re- within the physical body and gestures taking up space confidence for the brain it is a great thing and it's sharing and it's love and you're seeing it in carlos alcaraz i'm going a bit far with this but i feel very passionate about this i think help for people is okay don't abuse them like nick Kyrgios, though it's very hard to watch him play i'm going to move on to vienna and Basel, the atp 500s that are currently taking place they're two indoor tournaments and We've got a weird situation. I'm pretty sure it's in Vienna where one court is about 30 minutes away from the other. It allows different people from different locations to perhaps get to the tennis because I know that it's near ice hockey rank from what I've heard. We'll start with the Swiss one. Roger Federer's favorite, Basel. Basel? Basel. Roger Federer served as a ball boy once at Basel. He's won 10 titles at the tournament. So is Bjorn Borg. He hasn't won 10 titles, but he's won the tournament. So is Ivan Lendl, John McEnroe, Boris Becker, Stefan Edberg, Pete Sampras. It's a very famous tournament. Rogers invited Rafa to play there quite a few times. I'm not sure if Rafa's beat him there. Maybe he has. Don't care. Enough of the big four talk. Let's get into this. Holger Rune's the first seed. Kasper is the second. Taylor Fritz is the third. Hubie Hercax is the fourth. Alex Dimonor fifth. Hubie Hercax, he just won. Wait, did we talk about that? He beat Andre Rublev in the ATP 1000. Andre Rublev smashed his leg after. It was really hard to watch, and I was so sad because I'm a massive Rublev fan, if you haven't heard of you. I'm moving on from that. Alex Timonor's fifth. Felix Auger, Ali Asim, sixth. Nicolas Sari, seventh. And Sebi Korda is the eighth seed of the 32-player tournament. We saw Holger Rune defeat Miamor Kekimanovic in this round. I think they just versed each other, as I mentioned. Kasparud defeated Alexander Bublik. Taylor Fritz defeated Maxi Purcell. 
just in two straight sets. 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. Maxi Purcell played very well, but Fritz had him on the ropes with his down-the-line shots when Maxi Purcell came to the net. Herbie Hercax had defeated Dusan Levayevich. Levayevich, that's not it. Levayevich, not going to say that one. 7-6, seven, 6-3. Six, six, Alex Dimonor defeated Diego Schwartzman, 6-4, six, 6-4. Four, six, four. And Orja Aliassim got a win over the wildcard Swiss man Riedi, who had the hometown support, 6-3, six, 6-2. Six, not hometown. Yes, hometown. I'm going a billion miles an hour. Nicholas Yari defeated Adrian Manorino, who wasn't seated this time, 7-6, seven, 6-7, six, 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 and Thomas Martin Ishaveri, he defeated Sebi Corda in the first round. Thomas Martin Ishaveri is a very good Argentinian tennis player up on the rise. He was comparing himself to Novak Djokovic earlier. I talked about that in like volume two via his ATP points. Not his, he, he uses the same racket as Djokovic. I'm pretty sure he's a massive Djokovic fan and he's Argentinian. It's great. Marcus Aron was a special exemption and he lost in the first round. 6-3, 4-6, 7-6 to Ugo Amber. We saw Andy Murray and Stan Wawrinka take place in this tournament. Andy Murray won the first round, gets Yannick Hoffman. Alexander Shevchenko beat Stanford Renka, unfortunately. Chris Eubanks and Roberto Bautista Agu, they were both went out in the first round to Jan Leonard Struff and Botic van der Zanschlup impressively. Hubi Hercax defeated Big German in the second round, 6-1, 6-4. And as I mentioned, Thomas Martin Echeverry, round of 16, and defeated Andy Murray, 6-7, 6-3, 6-2. So that's all we're up to on Basel. Basel. Bazell, and I want to take a look at Vienna because Vienna, to me, is exciting at the moment. Top seeds, Daniel Medvedev, Yannick Sinner, Andrei Rublev, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Zverev, Tommy Paul, Francis Tiafo, Karin Achanov, and they all won their first-round matchups, and they all had really exciting first-round matchups. Let's highlight one, though, with Francis Tiafo defeating Dan Evans 1-4, retiring. Dan Evans was 1-4, 30-love up. He was slicing TFO around the court. He had TFO sweating his ass off in 10 minutes into the match. And he has basically pulled his calf off his leg. It was brutal. It was absolutely brutal to watch. He instantly knew he'd done it. He was very upset with himself because he was playing so well. But it could have just been cramp or tightness or nervousness, anxiety, anything. I'm not sure. He could have taken a wrong step. But it was, it was really sad and hard to watch. And then Francis had to give an interview after. Like, that's not what you want to do after that. Medvedev burst off a feast in the first round. 6-4, 6-2, young French guy. Just made the final. Yannick Sinner, he had an exciting matchup against Benny Shelton. Prevailed 7-6, 7-5. Andre Rublev defeated Alexey Popperin. I thought Popperin was going to win that match, but he did not. He had him 4-love or 4-1 up in the tiebreak and just choked hard. Stefanos Tsitsipas defeated wildcard Dominic Team, who I mentioned earlier, the Austrian. 7-6-6-4. Close match, though. There's one slice and dice shot from team that's gone viral. Nice little backhand chip passing Stefanos, but it goes about 80 k's an hour. Not sure how somebody can even hit the ball like that. Zverev's defeated wildcard Austrian Sebastian Offner, the bleached airman, 6-4-6-1. Tommy Paul defeated Alexandre Muller, 6-3-6-1. And Karen Kachanov defeated his fellow native countryman Roman Safun, 6-4-6-4. Other notable names in the tournament, Grigor Dimitrov, he defeated Lorenzo Mazzetti, 6-3, 6-4. Jiri Lehechka defeated JJ Wolf, 6-4, 6-4. That was a hard watch. JJ and Jiri, I think Jiri's, I think that was a player matchup watch. Jiri just out-hits JJ. They play very similar, but JJ's got a weird serve. Cam Nori and Filip Misalic, that was a really good match. 7-6, 7-4, 6-6-3 to the winning of Cam Filip Misalic in the first set, probably the first four match, four games. I don't know if anybody could have beaten him. I don't know who he is, but he qualified. Well done. And he played off his head. 
It was a competitive tournament. You had players like Lorenzo Sanego and Emil Rusaviri and Fabian Marasazan go through qualifying and not make it through, but Lorenzo Sanego did actually get a lucky loser card and versed Francisco Sharandulu, the, the Argentinian. There's only been two matches in the round of 16, but they were both exciting matchups, Karen Kachanov and Jiri Lehechka, but Kachanov's out hitting now. He's coming back. Maybe his wrist's feeling better. 6-3-6-1. Zverev is defeated Cam Norrie 6-2-6-4 overnight. Potential semi-finals of this include like Zverev and Zverev and Rublev. That's actually a potential th- uh, quarterfinal match. Sorry, Sinner is on that side of the bracket. TFO is on that side of the bracket for the semis. At the top side of the bracket, you got Stefanos Tsitsipas and Daniel Medvedev looking like semi-finalists there. Tommy Paul also features in there. Dimitrov has to verse Medvedev in the next round, so that's exciting. I'd like to do a recap of these two tournaments a bit further in depth on the next episode, where we can get into some interviews and analyzing some of the matches before we get to Paris which is a 1000 coming up on the indoor Holger Rune won it last year in a great match against Novak will Novak come back for that I reckon he will and we'll have the ATP finals preview coming up as well there's a race to two in at the moment let's take a look at the leaderboard Taylor Fritz is ninth which looks really exciting and he is saying himself that he reckons he's in a good spot and can get in no matter what. We've got four confirmed of Djokovic, Alcaraz, Medvedev and Yannick Sinner as mentioned previously. On the cusp, 5, 6, 7, 8. We've got Rublev, Sitsivas, Zverev and Holger Rune with Taylor Fritz 9th and Herkax 10th. Rude's 11th and Tommy Paul's 12th. Those two I don't see making it but Herkax, Fritz and Rune it's really up to those three. Rune's got a big indoor season to repeat or perhaps he's had a great season this year though so we cannot forgive him for that. But I think I think he might miss out. I think Taylor Fritz might have the experience in the indoor season. He played the finals last year, if I recall correctly, and he would like to play them again. I don't think we've seen Alcaraz at the ATP finals, so I'm really excited to see that. I think he's still injured at the moment. He's going to complete in Paris in the ATP finals. He didn't complete in the ATP finals last year, I am correct. He's quoted, excited to finish the year on a high... And we've drew, yeah, we've drew from the ATP 500 in Basel. He was scheduled to play there, left foot injury and muscle fatigue in his lower back. But yeah, he posted on Twitter or, or X that he's feeling better every day. So he will be competing in those two, hopefully against Djokovic. I'd love to see an indoor match against those two. I think they should, I'm pretty sure they do wild. No, I might be wrong. I'm thinking of the WTA Elite Trophy. But a wild card entry to the Nito ATP finals or just two? It could be. Uh, it's a really dumb idea, I think, because it's a very tough race, especially at the moment, and it's in high comp- competition. But if they did just wildcard two, like, I don't know, it could just throw in a spanner in the works because tennis is a matchup sport. It is. If you're listening, who would you give a wildcard to to the ATP finals? I'd give one to Game One Face after he won his 15th title. And I'd give one to probably like Andy Murray or something, just for the for the grit of it. He'd love to play in it. It would be great to watch. I'm going to leave it there for the ATP Circuit Cafe this week. Sorry if it's been a rushed episode. I've really been on a lot of caffeine and I'm just yelling into the mic. Really excited to showcase the ATP Circuit Cafe to you more. Hopefully get some marketing going. I can't do that though. And by marketing, I mean posting clips of this on Instagram and TikTok. Oh. Didn't mean to say that forbidden word. Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, all those good things. Arthur Feast is 19 and he's ranked 35th in the world at the moment. So that's good on him. I've just mentioned that for no reason whatsoever. But yes, thank you for listening to the ATP Circuit Cafe this week. 
and I'll see you in the 10th volume. Love you, bye.